welcome everyone to uh, this very special uh, video cast session. Um, today's guest is an internationally renowned expert in uh, human behavior and body language. He's been voted number one in the world's top 30 body language professionals for two years in a row, and has published four wildly successful books uh, on this subject. His client list is a litany of the who's who in the corporate and political world. So from um, presidents and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies to prime ministers of G8 powers. So some of those, some of those client lists include Microsoft, Google, American Express, Disney, Nike, KPMG, Shopify, Toyota, VW, Samsung, P&G, Viacom, WPP, Walmart, Nestle, Roche, so many. And, and that's only just to name a few of them. Uh, to add to all of this, he also has a TED Talk with almost 2.7 million views. And by the way, you should really check out his TED Talk. I did, and I immediately bought one of his books after watching it. Um, he is also on the faculty of the International Masters of Health Leadership at McGill University. And he's on the faculty as the business presentation trainer for the Kellogg Schulich uh, Executive MBA, which, by the way, is ranked number one in the world by The Economist publication. So please help me welcome who a former FBI agent says is one of the best body language and persuasion experts in the game, Mr. Mark Bowden. Mark, welcome to this show and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Moeed. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for that great introduction, by the way. Thank you. My, my pleasure. And it was, there was so much in there. It was, I had to distill it down, even though it may have felt long for me. <laughs> and there was a lot to say. I still had to distill it down, which is, which is credit to the expertise that you built and, the, and, and I think the obsession that you have with this particular topic. Um, obsession. Yeah, certainly obsession. It's, it's uh, you know, I've spent more time than most people I know just thinking about human behavior, body language, reading, watching videos, trying to follow and be part of the experts that I think are really great. So, um, yeah, I just, I just am fascinated with the area still. Wow. And, and we'd love to, we'd love to get a taste of that fascination and see how we can help some of our viewers, which, you know, and by the way, we have viewers that range from sales professionals to sales leaders, to even entrepreneurs and CEOs of mid to mid, small, mid-sized, large organizations. And, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, selling is in some ways, everyone's involved in some form of sales or presentation about their value to someone else, whether it's to investors, whether it's to clients, whether it's to stakeholders. Um, I first heard about you, as I said, on the TED talk that I watched, and it really had a profound impact on me. Um, however, one question I always like to know about the history of the people that I talk to. When I looked at your history, I was very surprised by some of the things I read in there. I mean, you obviously have you have a bachelor's degree in performing arts. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things that uh, I noticed was that you have a Harvard, uh, you have a qualification in a Harvard course. But when I dug further into that, it's actually around the science of cooking. So yeah. how did you get into that? And, and, and how, how is body language featured in that at all, or if, if anywhere at all? Yeah, let me try and make the connections for you because it'll, I think it's interesting and it'll tell you something about me and, and how I maybe think differently around behavior and body language. What's caused me to have an effect in the world of behavior and body language, not just in the world of business and politics. Um, so the, the story starts in, the, in that I, I love to cook. I, you know, it's one of my hobbies. It's the thing that I do to relax. I like to supply food to people, my, my family, my friends. I love the creativity of it and I like to eat. So, so there's that going on. And then, um, and I like to go to restaurants as well. And so the molecular gastronomy kind of craze came along and I was very interested in, in, in that. Uh, Heston Blumenthal, uh, you know, El Bulli, those kind of uh, uh, restaurants. Anyway, uh, then Harvard decided they wanted to experiment with the idea of online learning. This is a number of years ago. They'd already gone, how are we going to, you know, democratize education a little bit more and, and, and put some of our courses online? So they teamed up with their dean of chemistry 
and the um, Ferran uh, Adria, the, the uh, chef at El Bulli, who, who revolutionized molecular gastronomy. And they put together a course online, the first ever course they put online. So I instantly go, well, I'm, I'm game for that. So I signed up for that. It was pretty much, you know, Harvard, you know, 101 chemistry and, and math with some uh, looking at, so using food to look at the, the fundamentals of chemistry. Now, here's where it moves into behavior, is that for anybody who understands something of chemistry, uh, elements of chemistry are really about transformation and how you get one thing to move into another thing and what you have to do, how you can provoke that thing to transform and have different properties. In terms of food, it might be how do we take the proteins in an albumin and turn that from the sloppy kind of raw thing that you get, which is not tasty to most and doesn't have a good mouthfeel to most, but those, those, those proteins, uh, which are long strands kind of swimming in water, if you provoke them in a certain way, you can get them to wind up. The water kind of falls out after a while, but you can get them to wind up and they'll get firmer and their taste profile will change as well. Now, the question is, how do you do that? Well, mo many people might go, well, you heat up the egg. That's not the only way you can twist up. A, a molecule like that. You can add, for example, or you could use salt, for example, you could, that would be pickling the egg. Uh, you could add vinegar, that would be pickling it as well. You could actually um, get sound and shake the molecules with sound to the extent that you would wow. kind of scramble the, okay, so there are many wow. ways, there are many ways to change the state of something. What's interesting is, is the different properties or the different reasons you might use that different methodology. It's the same for human beings and influence and persuasion. What we're interested in is how do we move somebody from one state to another state? In, in the case of selling, it's about how do you change somebody from not a buyer to a buyer? Okay, like what is... That, so, for example, let's, let's look at, um, in molecular gastronomy, the simple thing of how do you turn water into steam? Okay, again, many ways to turn water into steam. You can add energy to it. You can, uh, you can put it into a vacuum. Uh, you could uh, shake it. Um, all kinds of, of, of ways you could do it. However, we know when you heat up water, to get it from uh, 99 to 100 degrees, roughly, which is where it turns into a gas, it takes phenomenally more energy to get it over that brink, over that state that it took to get it from the zero to 99. It, it takes almost, I mean, I'm not gonna do the equation right now, but almost as much energy to take it from 99 to 100 as it does from zero to 99. And that's why you look at a pot of water and you go, come on, why isn't it, isn't it boiling? Have you noticed that with the sales process? Yes. <laughs> But it's not a it's not a linear people are not a linear thing it's yeah. not like if i just keep adding energy into my sales process they will tip it's like they go a certain distance and then it's like now i've got to put in in the energy now we're at that you know that tipping point now comes the real energy and you see some people give up at that point, yeah. they don't understand influence and persuasion. So anyway, long answer to a simple question there, potentially. But what I'm obsessed with is, is human behavior, body language, influence and persuasion, and the changing of states of people. And, and how do we best and economically, do we understand the economics of that? There, there's my right. answer. No, and, and that's a great answer because you talked about states, which is a very big feature of what I talk to with my clients, which is, you know, it starts at the beginning of the conversation where you've kind of almost got to disrupt that state that they're in and disrupt those perceptions that they have of all salespeople, not necessarily you. Yeah. Um, but they forced all that, not prejudice, but all that preconception about salespeople onto you, even though they've never met you. So the best salespeople disrupt that state through various means. 
and, and yeah. I really want to talk to you about that that part you talked about, which is the edge, because I have I have a neuroscience background. A part of that was molecular molecular chemistry years ago. Yeah. I don't remember all of it, but I do remember that part you just said, which is it takes almost as much energy to take it from ninety nine to hundred with water than it did to get it from zero from zero whatever the state was to ninety nine. Yeah, there's that bit because you can have an amazing conversation all the way, but to get them to really make that commitment is that takes a huge amount of energy in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I really want to ask you about that. What is that from your perspective in terms of nonverbal or influencing the human behavior? What are some of the things you've seen that people do so well or the science tells you around converting them? Right, yeah, very perceptive. Look, and, and it's so simple and that's why people get it wrong because they, to, to, to get that final change of state when, they, when they're putting in that same gradation of energy into it, to yeah. get that final change of, of of state, what happens is is they see it as a wall and they go, oh, I've got to use another technique. I've got to shift. There must be something I don't know. There must be something that I missed out. Now, obviously, look, your sales process has to be, you've got to have a good sales process. And you've got to have one that you trust and you rely on and you know it, it, it works. More often than not, it gets there. What people do when they come up against that wall and the person doesn't tip, they go, it must be something wrong with me, my process, you know, something must have, instead of understanding with the boiling of, when, with the turning of water to a gas, you suddenly don't go, all right, well, this isn't boiling right now. Let's stop giving it heat energy and shift to something else. You've got to understand, now's the time I get patient. Now's the time I keep the gas up. I keep the electricity on. I keep right. on doing it. So, so in terms of behavior, this is about repetition. And this is about going, my process and my, my style and me and our relationship has got us this far. I now want to tip that. I've got to keep on doing what I've been doing again and again and again and again and again and keep on going. It is the relentlessness of right. the fuel. That, right. that gets that water to turn into gas, not a shift to a different methodology. Does, does that make sense to you? makes so? absolute sense, yeah. Absolute sense. Wow, there's so much in there because salespeople do come across that situation where they give up. So, so let, let me take one point there that I think most salespeople are going to think about, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an area that salespeople are going to fall, which is what's the balance between going relentless and becoming a nuisance versus adding value? Or is there, some, is there some framework that can help the salespeople, whoever's watching this say, how do I make sure I up that ante and that repetition without becoming a nuisance that will distance the buyer from me at that yeah. next stage? Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, so first of all, you've got to understand the land of the communicator, the land of the, of, the, of the sender of the communication is not the land of the receiver. So you've got right. to check your own judgments always about, am I being too much? Am I being over the top? <laughs> okay, so you've got to, but look, hang on, you've gone to 99. Okay, <laughs> so they, they've changed. It's not, it's not like they've pushed back. They've joined you on a certain point of the, to a certain point of the, of the journey. So again, we've got, to, we've got to look at the context of we've, We've got that much influence and persuasion. We've gone down that river together quite a distance. It's just that last bit. And, and that effort on your part, what you're doing is changing that energy into um, uh, a push on them. And it may not be. It may not be a push on them. Because that change of state from them, from not buyer to buyer, is a big move is a mm. big move. So, so they need that extra pressure. They're not going to feel it to be an extra pressure. But here's what will cause them to go, hang on, what are you doing? That's a bit off. Steady on, step back, is if you change the pattern. If you, right. change, the, if you change the process Interesting. on them. Now they're going to go, look, hang on, we got this far together via this, this pattern which I was enjoying. And, 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 
and you know there's a whole kind of process that I've got to now go through to tip me over the edge some of it you might be able to see some of it will be unseen to you but now don't change the methodology on me that's that's now uncomfortable and when I get uncomfortable I'm going to go quiet on you right. and disappear I'm going to play dead or I'm going to attack back I'm going to go stop that that hurts yeah, right. or I'm going to go, oh, right. if I just stand still and do nothing and play dead, you'll probably just pass on by. So does that, does that metaphor or analogy make, make some sense to you? Absolutely. What you said there was really key that I want those who are listening to to understand. So I'm going to repeat it, which is yeah. the key is not to change the process of what you're doing. The key is you can turn up the heat a little bit more, up the ante, maintain the energy, but in the same process, right? The moment you change the process, there's going to be some cognitive dissonance there. It's going to kind of shake people's world and go, oh, hang on a second, what's happened here? So, you're, so, what, what I, so what you said was really, really powerful in that. And I think a lot of salespeople forget this, where they just, they think of anything to get things over the line and they think, well, let me try something new because it's not working, let's try it again. What, what they really need to do is just keep doing what they're doing because it's got them there so far. That's really, yeah. yeah. So, so one question that comes out of that then is, how can you observe some of the nonverbal communication at that later stage that will tell you if you've done something that they don't like versus something that they're comfortable with? So imagine you're having that conversation towards the end and you're thinking, let me up the ante now. Let's try and get this a little further. Let's try and push towards the deal a little bit more, but in the right, in the right process. Is there, are there some nonverbal cues that can tell you if you're doing something wrong versus something that's actually okay for them? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me attack this, uh, come back at this in a, in a, in a different way, which is, okay. and, and you're going to have to take this from somebody who's an expert in body language and has written four <laughs> books on it. So just presume I know what I'm talking about. Okay. okay? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this, don't read body language. Stop reading it. Right. <laughs> leave, leave. I mean, obviously, at an unconscious level, you're always going to do it. At a conscious level, what I, what I recommend you do is consciously suspend your judgment around body language. Okay? okay. So, so, yes, you're going to read it. But what you're going to do is go, I don't know what that means. Okay, now this is really clever and this is really smart because now you're, be, you're, you're um, using critical thinking, okay? So you're gonna go, I don't know what this means, this behavior that I'm seeing around this kind of final push that I'm making. So yeah. here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask what it means. Because right. if I ask what it means, not only did I get some kind of nonverbal cue but i'm going to get some kind of verbal intelligence information around and i'll be able to put the two together i'll be able to ask more questions and i'm going to get to know more accurately what's going on in somebody's mind so let me give you an example of of this Moeed, so i you know i'm I, let's just say I'm, I'm coming to the end of, of what I think is, is a close, whatever that might look like to you and me, the end of a close. And, um, and when I put you know, my final sentence together of that close, I see you uh, cross your arms and you, and you lean back. <laughs> now, part of me, because I've read a few books and I saw some stuff on the internet, part of me goes, Ooh, that's a barrier gesture, I think. And he seemed to move away from me. And I go, uh oh, I think we got a I think we got a problem here. Now we either have a problem or we don't have a problem or something in between. I, I frankly don't know. I mean, this is a you, some people do call this a barrier gesture. Other people go, it's a gesture of comfort. Uh, I know people cross their arms and lean back when they're thinking, when they're making a final decision. So just by using critical thinking and going, mm, I don't know what this means. There's a whole bunch of different possibilities. So yeah. I open it to possibility now, not right. absolutes. So there are body language readers who are absolutists. I don't put much truck by those people. And there are body language experts who go, there's a lot of possibility on the planet. We need to do critical thinking around this. So here's what I do, Moed, with your 
leaned back and folded arms. I simply go, Moe, so you, you've, you've heard my close there. What are you thinking? Where are you right now? Right. <laughs> so I ask you a direct question. What are you thinking? Where are you right now? Right. So, so there's two questions there. One was, what are you thinking? You might answer me. You, go, you might go, Mark, I'm thinking now this isn't going to fit. Or you might go, Mark, I'm, I'm thinking I need this one more piece of information. Or I'm thinking, how am I going to present this to my senior leadership? Or I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say. I asked a question, then what do you say? Then I'm going to say, but then I gave you another option, which is where are you right now? Which is a lot more open. You, right. you could partly go, Mark, I'm, I'm in the same room with you as I've always been. Or you could take it as a metaphor and go, I'm, I'm confused or I'm, I'm, I'm fighting something in my mind. Or again, I'm, I'm at this point where I have to now go to my, my leadership team and put this forward. And I'm wondering how to structure the numbers so yes. it really fit for them. It's like... But, but understand, can you, can you see what I'm doing there, which is I'm, I'm taking the signal, I'm suspending my judgment, and I'm asking you a question to get more intelligence. And, and so, and every answer you give me, what I do is I accept the answer. I show the nonverbal information of acceptance right. of your answer, because then you'll tell me more. Because you could go, you know, where I could go, where are you right now? And you're going, I'm, I'm trying to look at how I'm going to place the numbers for this. And I might just go, and what else? Because I'm, I'm not necessarily going to take your first answer as the yes. true answer. Yes. That might be the presenting problem, not the real problem. Maybe the real problem is, God, you know, I, I didn't do, when I was doing my, my MBA, I wasn't great at the, at the math. And I'm worried about my math capability of putting the numbers together. Right. And if I say, and what else, you might actually go, I just, you know, I'm not so good at, at putting the figures together. And at that point, I can go, well, we've got a whole bunch of people who, who, who can put this together. Let, let us help you put this together. Yeah. So now I've got really intelligent in the sales process rather than judgmental, which is what the internet was trying to get me to be, which is judgmental, which says when they do that, it means this. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first, in the first 10, 15 minutes or so, we've already had some amazing stuff. So uh, you, can't, you can't influence someone if you're judging them at the same time. And what you're really saying is it's, it's a cue it's a piece of intelligence, but it's not confirmed intelligence. I need to now do what I do best, which is as salespeople, hopefully, which is ask questions to figure out more and to learn more. And so that's fantastic. And what you explained, I'm reading between the lines here, but it, you know, to ask those kind of deeper questions towards the end of the sales process, hopefully you've built enough rapport and trust that you can ask, ask those kind of questions and get some good answers and, and, and um, real answers back yeah. but earlier on in the process where you're still building that rapport still rebuilding that trust what could you do as the seller uh, or as the business person who's trying to make a presentation what could you do to make the other person feel comfortable what kind of non-verbal things such as posture things like that could you do that will help yeah. so really really simple stuff which is as much open body language as possible Right. Yeah, so and that's your truth. That's your truth plane, right? Which we'll probably truth we'll probably come back. Yeah. Yeah. Open palm gestures at exactly navel height. I would right. say is the biggest, most powerful indicator you can give to somebody that you are open to them. You mean them no harm. Essentially, it's the signal of this is a safe environment for you. Right. And so and so, if you could do anything, I would be doing that. Above and beyond that, as much open body language as you can as much kind of taking up space as you can, but not in other people's territory. So you're looking to be open around this area mm. here, essentially. These are vulnerable areas on the body. <laughs> all of this, all of this is vulnerable. Right. Uh, these are my protection system for these vulnerable areas. Yeah? Sure. So if I open up around those vulnerable areas, it triggers you into a sense of, well, Mark doesn't see a threat in this environment. Therefore, it's a low-risk environment. When Mark comes in the room, the risk lowers. 
mm. you know, which again frames my product, my service, me, um, you know, the team I'm with. It frames us in low risk rather than high risk. Right. So I would, I would be doing that. Uh, now, on top of that, in terms of, of the interview and interrogation that you'll do with, with the client, I would be looking for what we'd call um, fatic conversation, which is traditional small talk. <laughs> and whatever okay. that is in, in, in the culture, the environment, and culture not meaning, you know, somebody's from China and you're from Europe, though it can obviously can mean that, but like when you get down to culture, you've got to go, well, where in China, what status are they in China? It's like culture is, is a little more gradated than yeah. they come from Africa. That's like, okay, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. So, so, and, and, and in corporations, there's culture within culture, yeah. you know? So, so it's, it's working out what's the fatic conversation that can be had and where can we find points of alignment there so uh, before we got on this conversation we did exactly that to build rapport with each other we noted you know the parts of the planet that we both recognize yes <laughs> <laughs> you know um the parts of the you know uh, we were recognizing london together you were recognizing canada uh, with me, uh, we were exchanging data around that in a very kind of positive manner. And this helps both of us understand that we will be accepted by each other. Again, it lowers the risk, mm. which means like you get a better conversation out of me. I better get a better conversation out of you because there isn't this instinct in the back of your mind going oh i don't know don't say that don't ask that as a question oh should i is that a good answer there's there's though some of that might be going on it's it's lessened because i trust you more and you trust me more because you saw that you know i asked you for data you know so for example i asked you for data around uh, how old your daughter was yeah, and you gave me the data on that, and I nodded my head and my and I smiled. Yeah, and I didn't go, oh, yo, no, oh, yeah, terrible, eh? Oh, yeah, you got problems. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just very open around. Right. Stuff. You say you that's interesting. In I didn't even notice you did that actually, yeah. but now that you say that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, 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 I think that 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 initial rapport building is about openness of body language and openness to the answers that people give you around very fatic questions, you know, very ordinary questions. Where are you right now? So they tend to be data questions like, where are you? You know, what, you, what did you get up to at the weekend? <laughs> These kind of things. What's the weather where you are today? So I, I do that via video is I'll go, where are you right now? They'll go, you know, I'm in Singapore, whatever. And I'll right. go, oh, okay, good. You know, and so Duchenne smile, nodding of the head, eyebrows go up to show I recognize that. Yeah. <laughs> They'll okay. signal that back. And unconsciously, we get rapport super quickly based on, based on that, based on that thing alone. Yeah. Right. Then I can go, what's the weather like right, right now? And they'll go, they'll go, oh, it's raining. And I'll go, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I'll talk about rain here. It doesn't have to be raining here. I can go, oh, yeah, we had incredible rain at the weekend also. So I'm basically I'm going, I have the same weather system as you right. some of the time. Right. <laughs> that triggers them into going, oh, so you're just, you come from the same environment as me. Yes, I'm on the planet Earth, just like you. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is, is lessen the differences, create more links so there's less friction in the relationship. Anyway, I hope that makes sense to you, Moe. Okay, yeah, absolutely makes sense. And there's a lot there again. <laughs> but uh, so open body language, fatic questions in terms of gathering data that, where you can start to make a link. And the other one I really noticed what you said was whatever answer they give, even if it may feel negative, you don't yeah. give a negative expression you're saying, ah, oh, well, okay, I understand. Or, you know, you're kind of using expressions that are more positive in nature, even though they may be describing a slightly negative situation. But you could probably create a link where you're kind of almost empathizing and connecting with them and saying, 
hey, I felt the same thing and here, but you're using positive expressions rather than negative, right. which a lot of people send, tend to do sometimes. Well, let me, let me move on a little bit from that to yeah. where that really fits for me in, in sales, especially, right. is that in sales, we often have that moment where the client pushes back on something or they put up a barrier. I don't know. Generally, what's that, what's that called for you? Oh, objection, objections. Yeah. It, objections. Yeah. So, well, so sometimes, sometimes we call them complaints. Sometimes they're objections right. if they're real. But yeah, complaints, okay. <laughs> objections. You know, yeah. I would call them barriers because yeah. obviously we're trying to change their state and they're not in that state right now. If they're already in buying state, leave them alone. Yeah. They're already Absolutely. in buying state. So, yeah. you know, Hopefully, salespeople are hearing this because <laughs> sometimes they, you know, if they're yeah. already in buying state, just stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hand them on yeah. to the to whoever takes the money. Absolutely, <laughs> <You know>? absolutely. <laughs> but um, but so so we're trying to get them over this this these these kind of humps towards that. And sometimes there's a there's barriers that are there, and mm. and and they voice them, and we often call them complaints or objections. That was it, mm. objections. Okay, so what we tend to do when somebody complains or objects, we tend to have a, a instinct to push back, to go, ah, oh, well, hang on, our product does actually do this, or, or, or yeah, no, it doesn't do that, and here's a good reason why, that, you know, it's better that it, that it has the barrier that you're making a barrier. <laughs> Because it's a it's a feature that's actually yeah. better. Anyway, yes, we tend to push back instead of accepting it. So when somebody comes up with an objection to me and they go, "Oh well, you know, it, it's it's this or it's that or there's that," I go, "Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tell me more." So I don't. I stop myself pushing back, and instead, I tell them that I accept what they're saying, and I ask them to give me even more information on that because i don't want to get triggered by their objection into pushing back on their objection i want to get in that river with them which is the nature of influence that's what the latin word means influence it means to be in flow to be in the river i want to get in that boat with them and go yeah let's sail down that let's let's float down that river together you you give me all the stuff you know about why this isn't going to work for you because i'm going to sit right next to you I'm going to nod my head. I'm going to accept everything that you say. And at some point, I'm going to say, so what do you want to do about that? Okay, and I'm going to get you to solve the problem. Because ultimately, I'm sitting in the same room as you, and you haven't bought something. And you need something. Otherwise, why did I even get a meeting with you? You have a lack of something right now. That's why I got a meeting. Because unless you just like to waste your time meeting people to buy, to, to talk about buying stuff you, you don't even need. Yes. I mean, we, should have, we should have screened you out. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> of that. You're a time. Agreed. I don't know what your job is, but you just, I don't know, you kick tires for no reason. I don't know what <laughs> Agreed. But if, if I'm going to meeting with you, it's because you have a, you are at a lack of something. You're a lack of a, a, a bunch of things. You lack the tool or the thing that you need in order to make the thing that you have better. Okay. And you lack something in in, an understanding or power in order to, to get that thing else you'd already have it. So that's the key is I want to know how come I'm in the room with you right now? What is it you lack at the moment? That means you haven't been able to make a purchase, make a decision and get the thing that you know you need. And if I can help you with that, that's going to be good. Yeah. If I can't help you with that, then it's, I'm going to hinder you. We're just going to spin our tires. Does, it, does that make some sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And, and I know the neuroscience and psychological reasons why. But it also goes against a lot of the sales training out there. So salespeople are trained to initially agree with the buyer when they make an objection, Right. Don't push against that strength. But here's the thing. We make that initial agreement, but we straight away move into objection handling. Here's why you're wrong, or here's how we sidestep it. And, and there's something you said it towards the end, which is you're hearing everything they're saying, and then you're asking them, what, should you, what do you want to do about that? Right? Yeah. Where do we go from here? Now, that flies in the face of almost every sales training out there. Because we're trained to take control. We're trained to have an answer. 
we're trained to tell them and teach them. Um, and there's a lot of the challenger sales here where I come from, which is, which is talking about that, which is teach, tell, take control. But we're trained to almost teach them why that may be the wrong perspective. And then we want to kind of take control. But you're saying that we shouldn't do that. In fact, you're saying that's contrary to it being able to influence. Well, it is contrary to, it, to, to influence because you're not – here's what happens. When they, when they give you the objection, though you accept it, and then you start your objection handling maneuver, mm. what you're presuming is, is that the objection they gave you is, is the real objection. Yeah, <laughs> like, You don't think, what you've done is gone, I don't think that person is a liar. I think they're telling me the truth right. when they give me the objection. Now they may be telling you the truth or they may be lying or something in between. But for some reason, your training says, don't wait to find out. Make them, make them a truth teller <laughs> for a moment. You know, let's just presume that their, their barrier is not so deep that they would tell you their barrier immediately. It's a surface thing. And it's like, if it's a surface thing, why wouldn't you have picked it up in the first place? Why wouldn't yeah. it always be in your presentation? Agreed. So, I mean, for example... Like give me, I mean, if you can, what's the kind of objections that people come up with? Give me a, a kind of a classic um, objection. Oh, a, a class, classic one right now would be lack of money or, or not being able to afford it. So, I mean, that's a, that's a very classic one. Right. So instead of going, okay, I understand that your budget is, is, is set lower, and then I start handling that objection. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I do is I go, okay, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Right. Now, if I asked you, put yourself in the position of that, of that um, buyer who, who gave us their objection. Yeah. I just don't have the money for that. Just role play that for a bit. And I well, say, I, that's I, really interesting. Tell I, me more about that. What would you say? I, I don't have to. I was putting myself as a buyer. And what that did was that jarred me because I wasn't expecting that. Right. I wasn't expecting that. Tell me more about that. Well, um, you know, obviously the situation right now with the recession and coronavirus, we're having to change where we spend our money. Uh, you know, I've had to lay off staff. I'm, I'm having to do more, but deliver the same results, if not more results. Um, so that's why, that's why there's no money. And, and plus I have to go to my CFO for everything. Yeah. Okay. So I totally, I totally get that. So what are you, what are you thinking of doing in terms of being, ha of handling uh, that, that the prices of some things aren't going to change and yet you still need to provide product and service to your clients that is top notch. Like what, what's your strategy around that? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to think very hard about what we, what we have to, what's a nice to have rather than a need to have now. Uh, right. We're going to have to make some very, very tough decisions here. Um, is, is, and actually, is the product yeah. and service that I have for you, is it a need to have or would it just be nice? Right, right now, it feels like it would be a, a nice to have. But um, if there is a way that if there is a way that it has an impact on this products and services, as you said, that we provide to our own clients and help us continue to keep that standard, then it will become a need to have. And that's exactly it. That's it. it. Yeah. So, 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 so here's what we need to work out together is I don't want to sell you anything that's nice to have. This is not the time. This is not the economic climate to go, let's buy something nice. What would my product and service need to have for it to be a need to have for you. I only want to sell you something that you need because it produces a result that your clients need. So right. tell me, what would I need to give you so that you, it's a need to have and you can go to your CFO and go, we've got to sacrifice something else for this because it's real value. Right. So do right. you see there, Moeed, how yeah. I'm... How I'm yeah. maneuvering you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 the, and I think the biggest thing I took away from there is, uh, and, and we're trained this, but I think in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the battle, we forget this, which is the first objection, or even the second one, maybe even the third one, is not always the true objection. 
it, right. it, it, it is it is usually a, a not a surface, but it's it's. I'm not going to expose myself to you, right? So you so quickly. What you weren't willing to initially expose yourself to was the was the dilemma of mm. of of um, of hierarchy. Of some things are more important than others, right? Okay. Right. Went, what you did is when ah, we don't have the money. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. That's your way of softening the idea of I'm in a dilemma here because not everything is of equal value and I need to prioritize and I can't prior, I've got to prioritize. And it probably means I've got to go and have a tough conversation with somebody else to go, come on, prioritize this. So, so, so why do I have to do all the work lowering my price? when I could help you do some work of prioritizing and going telling your priorities to, to somebody else. Because yeah. for my product and service, it could be, it could be a million dollars. could be a million dollars on if I get you to go and do the work of prioritizing and going, going and talking to the CFO, we might make an extra million dollars on this or I could just go oh yeah uh, 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 handle the objections let's immediately start to negotiate price yeah yeah you know yeah and I, and I know look you know the, we kind of simplified this process and we're trying to but I, I hope people can get the the general overview that we're giving there of of do not take the presenting problem as the real problem right dig dig more and then start to handle the real problem the systemic problem so the systemic problem for you in that scenario is prioritization yeah that's 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 it and maybe you're not good at that maybe i could help you and how would you know how would you know when you've come across something that uh, that really is the real problem is there some sort of human behavior or non-verbal communication that will tell you because some people might think, and this is, you know, some salespeople might say, I have to ask five times before I get the real problem. But the buyer may have told you if you've done it well within the second or third time. So how yeah. do you, how do you notice, how do you figure out, sorry, how do you, how do you observe that they've given you the right answer, the real problem? Right. So, so change, we're looking for changes in behavior. Let's right. not worry about what changes. Let's not worry about the state change. Did they turn from a water into a gas? And what right. gas might mean. Let's just go. There was a there was a radical change. There was a big change there, yeah. And and so and so when we go back, if if people want to play back what was happening in our our play acting yeah. of, of this scenario, what they'll see with you, Moed, is is your eyes go up and you go quiet for a bit while you you explore internally. Right. Like what's actually happening in my mind? Because I go, well, tell me, you know, what else? And you go quiet for a bit. You don't instantly answer. Yet in the, when I said, so are we ready to go? You know, if I said, well, we, are we ready to go on this? You would instantly go, okay, so look, the, the, there's the thing of the price. And you'd right. be bang, you'd be bang in there. And I would instantly go, you're not in, in, exploring internal dialogue there. This is something rote. That you've learnt, you know, um, protect myself from reality by crushing their price. Right, right. Yeah, and maybe they'll cave. So, so I go, okay, what else? Because I'm not going to take the presenting problem. And then I see you go still, and your eyes go somewhere else. Again, don't worry where they go. Don't do any of that eye accessing stuff. Okay, right. leave that. Leave that to other people. We just want to know was there enough of a change and then you started to get a bit more excited yes okay right. rather than just well there's the price yeah which you weren't excited about suddenly start getting more excited so you're getting more emotional i then start copying accepting that emotional state i i come up to that emotional state with you yeah and then i ask you to give me even more data and then i notice like again, there's silences and then there's a lot more data. So again, that's a big enough change to go. There's, there's a change of state happening here. I don't know what it means, but it deserves more inquiry yeah. around that. And we, and we do 
get somewhere. Does that, does that make sense? That, that's hugely powerful because that's, I think people get buried in the minutiae and they think, oh, if you're looking to the right, that means you're imagining something. When you're looking to the left, you're thinking about logic. You're just saying, forget that. Just observe and be aware of any change in state, change yeah. in behavior, because that's now telling you that you're onto something. May yeah, not tell so you that you're at the answer, you're onto something. We're looking for anything that feels to us like significant change. Right. And what, we, what I say in the body language world is you just go, so that's notable. That's notable. We right. don't go, so that means we go, that's notable. Get curious, explore more, interrogate more, get out more information. And again, accepting. So, so, so when you started to say, um, so, you know, some things we're going to have to, um, uh, we're going to have to not spend money on some things and, and to spend money on others. I went, and that's it, isn't it? And you instantly fell in with me and went, that's it. Yeah. And so now we were aligned on the idea of prioritization rather than we were about to battle each other on price. Right. Agreed. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, That's not, amazing. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying price can't move, but I'm saying let's move price because of, of the real problem, not because yeah. of the presenting problem. Yeah. And, that, and this, is, this is an element of negotiation here that we've unwittingly got into because right. salespeople are going to face this a lot more. Um, but that was hugely, hugely uh, powerful, Mark. Thank you. Um, I'm just thinking in the last few minutes, because I've got to touch on this. Yeah. We live in the virtual, well, not live in the virtual world, but a lot of things are being done virtually. You know, we're talking virtually. Um, you know, I'm not doing what your book says, which is my bad, which is make sure I have the equipment further away so that I'm exposing more of my truth plane. However, where people can't do that or where, the, where you can only see basically the head and maybe the shoulders of your buyer, what are some of the things that, what are some of the top things that we should really be thinking about when it comes to non-verbal communication when we're doing things over screen or video talk? What are some of the things that we should be aware of, whether it's observing or things that we should be doing with our own body language? Yeah, so let's just focus on what you can do very simply to come across better on camera and, there, and, and, and have more data for your audience, for your buyer. The more data you give them, the more optimistic they will be. The more eye contact you give them, the more optimistic they'll right. be. Um, so one of the things that I do is I place a little smiley face behind my camera. Like oh, that. It tri okay. yeah, triggers me into a Duchenne smile. It brings my eye line up to the camera. Uh, I have my, my camera at eye level in front of a monitor. And I've got mm. all of that raised up so that hopefully you can see more. Well, you have been doing a great thing there, which is you are getting your hands into the frame a mm. lot more when you're speaking. It doesn't, on camera, it's a lot more difficult to do what I explain in my books around, around truth plane because you know, you're not entering live. When you enter a room live with somebody, they see the whole of your body yeah. <laughs> pretty much. As you, as you enter. But the interesting thing is, is you'll never get this close with them immediately. Even with my skills in influence and persuasion, it would take me 15 to 20 minutes to be able to get in this, this close, mm. be accepted into your personal space. I show up in your personal space if I want to. And so, so long as I have Duchenne smile, as long as I give you open gestures, as long as you get to see plenty of my context, you right. get enough information to go, Mark is safe in my personal space. I can trust him. Let's start to build a good relationship. Now, the difference is, let me just change, change cameras with you right now. The way a lot of people are uh, showing up at the moment is they're using their laptop as a laptop when they're on camera. Yes. And, yeah. so, and so you see this. I'm exactly the same person. I have exactly the same product and service that I want to sell you. Okay? Wow, that looks complete. That, I really felt a complete difference. Right. So there's yeah. me. I, I, I want you to trust me in my product and service. It's the best one for you and your organization. Or alternatively, I want you to trust yeah. me. I have a product and service for you, and I think it's the best for you and your organization. Is there yeah. a radical difference? Well, massive difference. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's incredible. Is, by the way, and I can do this with my laptop. Um, right. it just, 
it just needs um, a waste paper basket. Hang on. So I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to get my... We have blue recycling bins here in Canada. Nice. Okay. <laughs> They're green in, in, in the UK and London, maybe. Anyway, I just put it on top of my uh, recycling thing there. I could but that's much better. Yeah. Smiley face and put it behind the camera there. And you'll notice, you know, that's already much better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now, yeah. here's the thing. It's really hard for me to now use my laptop as a laptop. Because it isn't a laptop anymore, it's a camera. If I want to use a laptop, uh, maybe what I should do, well, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, yeah, it's down here, hang on. Is I'm gonna get a different laptop and I'm gonna place it down here. Right. Or I'm gonna have a netbook or something and I'm gonna have it down here. So, so uh, you know, on TV, they didn't, they didn't go, oh well, we can use other things as cameras. They had like, that on TV they have separate cameras. Yeah. Because we, we've somehow decided to go, we're going to get into this virtual world and we're going to use this afterthought of the webcam yeah. as, as our most significant means of communication for, the, for certainly this, this year. It's a bizarre thing to do that yeah. we wouldn't go, no, 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 we're absolutely going to need a different camera. Because <laughs> right, agreed. Anyway, that's the nature of business, is, is, is we're, we're often a little bit late to the game on understanding exactly what's going on uh, around us. Hang on, I've just switched us off. No, no, no worries. Let me go back. No worries. And, and, I think, and I think most people aren't aware. I think that's the thing. They're just not aware of the difference. I saw it because I saw it, right? I saw the change. Uh, I saw the contrast. However, even though I may have kind of known that just seeing that change really nailed it home for me. But most people won't actually appreciate that change um, and the difference with that. And what about the buyers? And what could what could you observe about the buyers if you can't if you can only see their face and maybe their shoulders? You know what 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 are some of the things that you? And again, I know you actually do you know what I think you've answered that question because you said you can't just make judgments. You have to just be. Um, uh, observant of what they're doing. Um, yeah. So one one of the um... well, I would let me uh, let me give you one more thing around yeah, that please. is 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 look around them. Right, look around them. There was a French artist called Mondrian um, who who uh, would look at trees and instead of looking at the leaves and the branches, look at the gaps between the leaves and the branches. And, right. and kind of work with the gaps in between. We tend to end up focusing on people's faces and bodies instead of going, what's, what's around them uh, there? So, I mean, around the back of your head there, you've got, I think it's another French artist. Yeah, Matisse. Yeah, Matisse, yeah. And is that when he was in maybe- Am I getting it wrong? Sorry, it's Monet, sorry. Monet, that's right. <laughs> it's right, Monet, yes. yeah, in Venice. Yes. Yeah, those pictures that he did in London when he came to- uh, Venice, I think. Well, Venice, it's, it's, yeah, I think yeah. it is. Maybe I'm wrong. My wife got it for me, but uh, okay. oh no, you're right. It is London. Yeah, it is yeah. London. You can see the Tower Bridge there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's always interesting that that French impressionist ended up doing pictures of 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 London. So your wife is she is she into art or you know what's her? Uh, she uh, she got it more for me when we when I bought the house. I bought the house before we officially kind of worked together. And nice. uh, she bought it for me uh, as just a way of. She loves she loves color, um, so you know she has. She bought, you know, for example, that painting oh, there wow. from, from from America. It's just it's actually just yeah, a, yeah. you know, it's just an amateur paint painter. But but the 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 vibrancy of color. I think that's really her personality. Actually, she just loves yeah. vibrancy and color. Um, yeah. So I think she just bought this for me just to give some color to the house because it was a very bachelor's pad when I was doing it up. <laughs> so I think she was putting her mark in, in place before, before she yeah. moved in officially. But yeah. So so look at the interrogation that happened there. Yeah. Look at all the information yeah. you just you just gave me, and yeah. you showed me even more of your house, and you told me told me about the character of your of your wife and something the history of the relationship and 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 who purchased the, the house first of all and and and. The, it's like you gave me a whole heap of information then. I noticed one of the things I did there was when you got, I, I knew that you 
hadn't named the artist right, but I didn't go, oh, no, 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 you, you got it wrong. Right. But when you said it was Venice, I didn't go, well, you are, it's, not, it's not Venice. I went, oh, okay. Like, I totally accepted yeah, that's everything absolutely. that goes along. Because eventually, we get to the right answer. Eventually, yeah. the state changes from, from, from buyer to not buyer. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get there if we use influence and persuasion. And with that method of influence and persuasion, rather than looking at you, looking at what's around you and starting the interrogation process into that, you give me a whole bunch of valuable information that I can then use in rapport to help you understand you can trust me because because I'll show you what I do with that information and that I keep that information well and I only use that information for good reasons, for your benefit, right. to help you. And, and trust builds. And right. I remember that inf information because you may not remember telling me some of that and I'll bring it back during the sales sales process right and I'll, uh, right. And I'll say oh, i was at this um uh, art exhibition and i wonder whether your your wife's seen that or she was interested in that or you know so i'll be because now i'll start to have a have a relationship with her and therefore that's stronger for the relationship with you again so long as i don't abuse that so long as i don't use that in a in a way to win power sure i'm only trying to win relationship with you, you know, good relationship. Anyway, I hope that helps you understand how, as a body language expert, often I'm trying to think about it in a different way and go, what haven't we explored enough? The space around you, not just you, the language that you live in. Yeah. You, literally, the language that you're living in right now can help can help me understand something about you because you start telling me you literally just start i'll tell you yeah those are some jedi mind tricks there mark because i don't normally <laughs> do that so i'm glad we recorded this because i'm going to go back and see how did you do that because you're absolutely right you didn't disagree with me no. um you, you yeah that, that that was really really notice, notice and, and everybody watching like go back and watch that and notice how excited Moeed gets yeah. call it exercised. He literally he gets up and he starts going into action. I moved him into action. And again, that's what we're trying to do in sales. We're trying to move people's state from you, you you'll have done it. You've shown up to a sale and you and you go into yourself, these these people aren't moving, like they're stuck, they're stuck, they're stuck. And you're thinking, if only I could get them moving on that sales process. Well, in this case, I get you up and moving with your camera and showing me around. From that, I could start to move you into the sales process. Right. Anyway, right, that, I hope that, that was, was huge. That was an interesting that, that, that was very, very interesting. And uh Gosh, I wish we had another hour. Maybe that wouldn't even be enough to kind of well, listen, it's been a great discuss all these things. So, so I'm, I'm totally happy to come back anytime. If it's, if it's good that, for your, that it's good would for be. you, good for your viewers, you just call me back and, and we'll, we'll chat some more. Happy I think we're going to have to take you up on that offer at some point for sure, because this, this was definitely interesting for me. And that got away a ton of information. Luckily, we recorded this so I can review what we discussed. And I'm sure all of the views got the same as well. Uh, Mark, how can, how can everyone that's watching this um, find you, connect with you, learn more about you? What are the best, what are the best places they can do that? Yeah, so super simple. Get over to truthplane.com, T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truthplane.com. Right. Find me there. Uh, do link in with me. If you watch this, just make sure, Mark Bowden on LinkedIn, link in with me. Let me know that you've seen this, this show. Really happy to connect with you the more people on linkedin watching the the uh, I, I put a lot of free content up there especially around yes. sales so get and, and like have it <laughs> have it use it um enjoy it uh get a better life out of it yeah and, and, and i would echo that i'd definitely encourage people to i think you're on twitter as well you do quite a bit of work on twitter yeah you'll right? find me on find me on twitter you'll find me on youtube you'll right. find me just about everywhere either as mark bowden or truth plane truth plane yeah and i can i can say this i can 
I can echo that you are incredibly generous with your time and your knowledge and your expertise and you really like to share. So there's a ton of value that they can get from you just from the free content that you've got out there. Mark, this has been an incredible experience and you've made me do things that I don't normally do. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but that was great. (laughs) That was was amazing. Um, So uh, thank you so much for sharing what you did. And I think that that has given me some incredible insight into human behavior and how we engage with our buyers. And I encourage all those that are watching to to um, connect with you, find find more about what you do. So, Mark, thank you very much for sharing your time and your knowledge and expertise with us. And we'd love to have you back on again uh, in the in not too distant future. I'll be I'll be back again. Any chance to uh, talk to a, another London lad is always good. That'll be great. Great. Thank you very much, Mark, and really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Great.